And welcome. You are now listening to the Space Witch Podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Whitney Levesque, back again with a another episode for you guys this week. I hope you're all having a fabulous week so far, and I hope you're all enjoying this eclipse, mercury retrograde energy that's going on. Hopefully you're all using it to your advantage and you're enjoying the nice quiet sort of time that's going on right now. If you're struggling, then I hope things get better for you. I know it will because a lot of these big planetary happenings are usually all for a greater purpose and it's all just to get us to learn more lessons. So speaking of lessons, today's episode is going to be all about asteroids and astrology. Now I was a little bit nervous to talk about this because asteroids are not really my main domain when it comes to astrology. I think they're interesting, but I never put too much weight on them because they're they're asteroids. They're really far from the sun. And like, I think they're interesting to read about, but I never thought they really mattered that much in astrology because I feel like their influence is less intense because of how far away they are. Usually planets that are more closer to the sun, more likely to have influence on us but I did some research a couple weeks ago and started reading about asteroids and the meaning of them and all this stuff and I thought it was interesting enough that I would share it with you guys because I assume that most of you guys are listening to this podcast so that you can you know learn about astrology so I figured why not talk about asteroids then you guys can have a little bit of footing and understanding on what asteroids are and what role they play and what they're all about. So yeah, let's just dive right in. And I think the first thing I'm going to start talking about today is the history of asteroids and astrology. So asteroids are pretty new when it comes to astrology. They were first discovered in the 1800s by an Italian priest and astronomer named Giuseppe Piazzi. He accidentally discovered the first and largest asteroid, which was Ceres, orbiting between Mars and Jupiter. And even though Ceres is now classified today as a dwarf planet, it still accounts for a quarter of all the mass of all known asteroids in or near the main asteroid belt. So it's a pretty big asteroid. And that little excerpt was taken from space.com. The second part of that was over the first half of the 19th century, several asteroids were discovered and classified as planets. William Herschel coined the phrase asteroid in 1802, but other scientists referred to the newfound objects as minor planets. By 1851, there were 15 new asteroids and the naming process shifted to include numbers, with Ceres being designated as number one. Today's series shares dual designation as both an asteroid and a dwarf planet, while the rest remain asteroids. So yeah, so that that's a little bit of background knowledge on asteroids, and like I said, that was all taken from space.com. So yeah, even though it seems like the 1800s was a super long time ago, from a historical standpoint, that really was not that long ago. So because asteroids are so new to astrology, it's kind of challenging to find information about them, and I think it's even harder to learn and understand their influence in astrology because of, like I said before, of how far away they are from the sun. So it's kind of difficult to see their influence. Moving on from that, let's talk about what role they play in the natal chart. So from what I understand is that 
Asteroids basically show different parts of our psyche in the natal chart. What I mean by that is, so basically these asteroids kind of have different archetypes. After doing some research and trying to understand what what these asteroids are all about, I know a lot of people talk about Chiron a lot, which is the wounded healer. So Chiron is largely about like learning lessons, which I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. And then you have Ceres, which... From what I understand, Ceres is just motherly energy. Ceres almost reminds me a little bit of the sign Cancer, based on what I understand about Ceres. Then you have Paulus Athena, which is all about logic and connecting ideas. It can also have to do with your relationship to your father, legal battles, and justice. This asteroid reminds me a little bit of the sign Libra. And then you have Juno, which is all about the wife. It's just about very like feminine energy. In my notes, I wrote wife, woman, and then girl power because that was basically what I got from that. I just picked up on like those really big like feminist vibes from Juno. And then lastly, we have Vesta, which is a lot about uh, virginity, pureness, organization, sex, and intimacy, and a lot of other stuff. And Vesta kind of reminds me of the sign Virgo based on everything I've read about Vesta. I think it's kind of funny how a lot of these asteroids sound a little bit similar to a lot of like the zodiac signs that we already have, but it is interesting to look into their traits and look into the mythology behind them. So basically that's what I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to be moving into now is talking about all the asteroids and the mythology behind them and their traits and what they represent. So now that we have an understanding of what asteroids are, let's dive on into the different asteroids. So let's start by talking about Chiron. I figured we'll start with Chiron because Chiron is one of the more well-known asteroids in astrology. And I feel like a lot more people talk about them. And maybe to some of you, this is completely new, so it doesn't really matter. But Chiron's a really interesting character. So Let's talk about Chiron. So Chiron was a centaur, which if you don't know what a centaur is and you know nothing about mythology, a centaur is a half horse, half human. And he was, Chiron was also the child of the Titan Cronus and a nymph named, hopefully I'm saying this right, I'm probably not, Philira, Philira. Apparently they kind of like hooked up after the Titan Cronus had been turned into a horse. <laughs> so um, they kind of like got busy or whatever. And then that's how Chiron was born. And so Chiron ended up being abandoned by his mother because she was really disgusted and felt really icky about what had happened. So she abandoned him and he became an orphan. So what happened after that was then Apollo adopted Chiron and taught him art um, or sorry, <clears throat> taught him the art of music and archery and medicine and prophecy. And Apollo's twin sister, Artemis, um, approved of this and also just decided to kind of take Chiron under her wing and also taught him more stuff about archery and hunting. So Chiron was a really smart person. I guess, or maybe not person because he was like a god. Well, he was a centaur. So <laughs> he was really smart. He was really dignified. A lot of centaurs were known for being really wild and unruly. 
and they were very excessive they would drink a lot and have a lot of sex and like they liked to party and they were also very just like hot-blooded and very quick to like fight each other fight other people and so Chiron was very different from them in that sense because he was so knowledgeable and he had this you know all this knowledge about medicine and prophecy and um hunting and all this other stuff so he was he became really well known as like a really great healer and astrologer there's stories that talk about him and how he helped achilles and um, heracles and a bunch of other different heroes in greek mythology now eventually when chiron dies i guess I don't know. There's a lot going on in in this whole story, but <laughs> eventually what happened to Chiron was he gets hit by a poison arrow and he finds that he can't heal himself. So, as he's dying, he makes a promise. He says that as long as there are demigods that need training, that he would still exist in the world and the other gods decide to honor him by making him a constellation in the sky. So Chiron is a constellation, which is Centaurus, and now he's just chilling in the sky with the other constellations. So that's the whole story behind Chiron. And it's really interesting because even though Chiron is an asteroid, it kind of reminds me of the sign Sagittarius and the duality of that sign because every sign has its good and bad traits. And just thinking about centaurs and how that is generally like what kind of represents the sign Sagittarius and also just thinking about what those were in mythology and how like you know they could be these like kind of party animals and be really hot-blooded and all this stuff and then also thinking about Chiron and how Chiron was like much more kind of like dignified and had all this knowledge about all these different things I feel like it almost represents like the mature and then immature side of Sagittarius so it's really interesting when you study mythology and you see how all these little things sort of correlate with the zodiac signs so basically what I've become to understand is that Chiron in your natal chart kind of shows an area of your life where you may struggle or a place where you like I always I guess I see it as like being a challenge right because Chiron's the wounded healer and so I look at it as something where it's like I feel like you struggle with something and then you are able to learn a lesson from it. And then once you know that lesson, you're able to share that lesson with other people and be like, hey, here's how I went through this thing. You can do it too. And it's about passing on that knowledge. And I also think it shows like how you help others heal, how you can help them heal. It can also show it almost I think in a way it can show a weak spot, but that weak spot can also be a strength if you learn how to strengthen that weak spot and not let it debilitate you. Chiron is also a lot about persistence and knowing how to keep going when things are really challenging as well. Also, I also think about Chiron as being like kind of like a place in your chart or in your life where, you know, you may from an outside outside perspective, it's almost like you know, let me, I can give you all this advice and here's what you should do. But then it's one of those areas where it's like, you know, maybe we don't follow that advice ourselves. Like, you know, I think of it as like, if let's say you had a friend who was dating someone that was really manipulative and controlling and, you know, from the outside perspective, you're like, you know, you should really break up with that person. They're so not good for you. I would just leave them and blah, blah, blah. But then maybe you have a tendency yourself to always kind of end up with these really manipulative and controlling people, but you never leave them for whatever reason. 
So Chiron also has like a lot of that like shadow work involved in it and trying to incorporate that into ourselves to make ourselves more whole and how we can kind of understand ourselves better and just to kind of dive deeper and figure ourselves out and then also, you know, helping other people to figure out their own stuff out. So that's Chiron. Now I'm going to move on to the next one, which is going to be Ceres. Now, Ceres is, she's the sister of Zeus or Jupiter, um, depending on which mythology you're following. Ceres is actually the Roman name for Demeter, who is in Greek mythology. She's Zeus's sister, and she's also Persephone's mother. She rules cooking, nutrition, the harvest, fertility, and she's all about like mothering, hard work, parenting, and gardening, and uh, agriculture is probably the better word for it. And so the only thing I was really able to find about Ceres was that in Greek mythology, I'm sure there's like the same story in Roman mythology. Honestly, I'm not the biggest mythology buff here. So the only story I was really only able to find was the whole story about Persephone when she, so like I said, Persephone is Ceres or Demeter's daughter. And so one day she gets kidnapped by Hades, who's the god of the underworld. And so Ceres is her mother. And of course, she's like all frantic and worried because she loves her daughter so much. And she's like, where'd she go? And then eventually she finds out that she was kidnapped by Hades and she gets her back for a little bit. But then she has to return her back to Hades because now Persephone is Hades' wife. So and that's basically like the whole season or um, the whole story behind how we get like the four seasons because they say that when Persephone is back with her mother everything grows and everything's beautiful and then when she goes back to the underworld with Hades everything's like dead and just not as good as when she's back with her mother so that's kind of like the whole story behind series I would say that a lot of the stuff that she rules in astrology is things to do with fertility anything with the uterus or the stomach. She influences grief, work problems, eating disorders, custody issues, kidnapping. (laughs) She also may like influence things like low self-esteem or fear of abundance, feelings of abandonment or unworthiness, over-attachment, possessiveness, anything to do with like the parent-child complex or anything to do with um, not being able to have children. I would say she, the series is kind of just like, how do you nurture people and how do you present that motherly energy in your everyday life? And it's interesting because this also reminds me a lot of the sign cancer when I read about this. So that is series. Let's move on to Paulus Athena. Now, Paulus Athena is the daughter of Zeus slash Jupiter. And this asteroid is all about how your brain functions. It's about logic, connecting ideas, your relationship with your father, legal battles, justice, making difficult decisions in relationships. In mythology, it says that Paulus Athena was literally born out of the head of her father. And so she is very much about using the left side of your brain and logic and reasoning and connecting ideas together. They say that this asteroid is largely associated with cities because she has she's all about like interconnection 
And she reminds me a lot of the sign Libra because she's very logical and very balanced and wants to make a fair and just decision just like the sign Libra would. She's also very creative and artistic. This is about being a survivor and she wants everyone to sort of claim their personal power. And wherever this falls in your chart, this is sort of where you'll find you might find there, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So um, Paulus Athena influences the immune system, the arts, the father-daughter relationship, your intuition, justice, wisdom, defense, totally random, but anything to do with horses and the kidneys. Um, and like I said, this is a lot about that like daddy's little girl sort of mentality or like a father-daughter relationship. It also represents just your relationship and how you treat males in general. Um, on a negative aspect, this asteroid can be a lot about conflict, legal battles, injustice, and illness due to a weakened immune system. So let's talk about the whole mythology behind Pallas Athena. So Pallas Athena was the daughter of Zeus slash Jupiter and so Zeus is like the god of gods he's super strong nobody can really like take him and so they had prophesied that his daughter with the titan uh, Metis who is Athena's mother they prophesied that he would have a boy and a girl who would be both like stronger and wiser and like more powerful than he would be so Zeus got all freaked out by this and Metis was already pregnant with Athena and so his way to try to prevent this from happening was he swallowed her which how a person can swallow an entire human being I have no idea but it's mythology so we'll go with it so <laughs> he swallows her to prevent these children from being born however uh, Athena doesn't take that. So somehow Athena still is birthed. Um, Zeus starts to have this pain in his head and he has someone kind of crack open his head and remove the pain <clears throat> so that he won't have to feel it anymore. And so Athena is literally born out of the head of Zeus and she is so powerful that even him swallowing her could not even contain her. Then there's another story about naming the city of Athens and there's this whole thing about how Athena basically kind of rivals with Poseidon who Poseidon is the god of the sea and so they kind of compete with the king of the city on how they can get the city to be named after them. So the king or whatever is like, okay, well, I'll name the city after one of you, but you guys have to give us a gift first. So first the thing is that Poseidon, like, I guess he like takes his trade in and sticks it in a rock or something, which causes this giant like earthquake or something. And then they have a spring. So they have unlimited water, which seems like a great gift until the people realize, well, this is salt water and we can't drink it. So his gift automatically becomes not that great of a gift. But Athena comes in and she plants a single seed and this seed gives life to a olive tree, which turns out to be a great gift because then they have firewood, they can make oil and they have food. 
So they decide that Athena's gift is better and they name the city Athens after her. And so after that, the owl becomes a very big symbol in Athens. And it's interesting because Athena is often depicted with an owl, which is symbolic of wisdom. And also going back to what I said about her kind of reminding me of Libra, she planted the olive tree, which the olive tree is all about peace and prosperity. And, you know, those are things that like Libras are totally all about. So that is your Paulus Athena. Now let's move on to Juno. So Juno was Zeus's wife. And this asteroid is largely about basically all things about being a wife or just a woman. Like I said before, one of the things I wrote in my notes about this was girl power. Because this is a very like sort of feminist kind of energy. She's all about being a strong, independent woman. She's also largely about making the commitment or just commitment in general. She's about soulmates and how, you know, the face of relationships change. And they say that where you find Juno in your chart is where you may meet someone that will remain, that you'll be in a relationship with for a long time. She's, like I said, she's all about commitment and marriage. She can also be about fashion and beauty and true love. And also diplomacy is another theme here. She has influence with the weather, flowers, fairness, female genitalia. And then she also had to deal with um, infidelities in her marriage. So this, on a negative aspect, can influence spousal abuse, powerlessness, women's rights, rage, inferiority complexes, and unfairness. And she may also deal with issues of denial, betrayal, inequality, and bitterness. So that's kind of what Juno's all about. She's really about kind of just stepping into your power as a woman or into your feminine energy if you're a man and how you can really just channel that sort of strong, independent woman who I want to say doesn't need a man, but she's also all about commitment and being a wife. So I would say that this probably also has a lot to do in your chart with like being able to get through those challenges within a marriage and staying strong throughout them. So that's kind of the gist of what Juno is. Let's talk about some of the mythology behind Juno and what her stories are. So Juno's whole thing is that she was the queen of the gods. She was Jupiter's wife. So she was pretty like high ranking and she was also a very jealous wife, especially since Jupiter cheated on her a lot she would get very angry and go into a rage and they say that when she was in this rage she had no sense of justice or fairness so she had a very vengeful side to her she rules marriage and birth she's the protector of women she was so vengeful she never forgot anything that happened to her and she was considered to be very physically attractive but because she was so vindictive her personality kind of took away from her attractiveness And it sounds like for the most part, she just had a really hard time forgiving people and kind of moving on from stuff. And there's a story about how she never forgave Heracles for being Jupiter's son. But when Heracles dies and is taken to heaven, he and Juno finally reconcile. And while in heaven, Heracles marries Juno's daughter. And yeah, so that's basically everything you kind of need to know about Juno. I would say Juno is probably the second most popular 
asteroid that people like to talk about because it's all about love and marriage and commitment and so people are really fascinated by that because they're like oh who am I going to be in a long-term relationship with um so I would say this does kind of indicate things about like a long-term relationship in astrology it can also be about how you act when you're feeling vengeful um or jealous so I would definitely take a look at that if you're interested in that now let's move on to the last one which is Vesta now, Vesta kind of reminds me of the sign Virgo because Vesta is all about virginity, pureness, organization. She also has to do with sex and intimacy issues. She brings out your purest potential and essence into being. She's like very much a perfectionist. She has a talent for breaking things down into its components, which is very Virgo in my mind. Because Virgos tend to analyze things and break them down into like their simplest form, even though they also have tendency to overanalyze. But she also rules the metabolism and the upper intestine, which is also interesting because Virgo rules the stomach. She also carries influence over locks and keys, sisters, security, investments, insurance, and inheritance. She is the epitome of home and family, ritual, chastity, sexuality, and devotion. Some of her negative aspects include insecurity, lack of focus, promiscuity, segregation, secret societies, and family troubles. There may be a fear of sex or intimacy as well as an invalidation of self. Denial can also be a big thing here when this asteroid is sort of behaving in a negative manner. So let's talk a little bit more about Vesta and who she is in mythology and what her whole story kind of is. So here's some background information on the goddess Vesta. Now this little excerpt is from mythology.net. I will try to link all my sources for this show in the show notes if you're interested. So it says here, the goddess Vesta was the very beautiful firstborn daughter of the titans Kronos and Rhea. She was swallowed by her father along with most of her brothers and sisters. Her brother Jupiter, who later became the chief of gods, managed to escape the huge appetite of Kronos and freed Vesta and the others. Being the first one eaten, she was the last to be released, so the Romans considered her both the oldest and the youngest of the gods. Her lovely appearance gained Vesta the lustful attraction of many of the male gods, both Apollo and Neptune proposed marriage to her, but she refused them and appealed to her brother Jupiter to allow her to remain an eternal virgin. Her wishes granted, and Vesta became the symbol of home and family and an icon of domestic tranquility. She was worshipped in every household in Rome. It's clear that the goddess of the hearth played an important role in the lives of the people. They made sacrifices by the fire and threw them into the flames to burn. There were no images of Vesta inside her temple. It was believed that no bodies could originate from the important element of fire. Her image was placed in an entry often accompanied by her favorite animal, the donkey. The association was gleaned from her connection with baking, which was of course done at the hearth. Donkeys were the animals that pulled the millstone to grind the wheat for the bread. She also held flowers and sometimes a kettle, representations of home life. Unlike other goddesses who appeared in various states of undress, Vesta was always fully clothed. So that's some background knowledge about Vesta. So Vesta is largely about pureness and virginity and anything having to do with home life. It's kind of like, in my mind, I keep thinking it's like a mix of like Virgo and Cancer. So... Yeah, so that is Vesta. And so I would look to her to find out more about how you 
maybe if you have sex or intimacy issues or how you present yourself in a way that's pure or virginal or maybe how you are at home or what your home life is like. It'd probably give some insight to that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That was the asteroids for you guys. And I know I had a lot of fun looking into this. I really think mythology is a really important part to understanding astrology. And I would love to do another episode at some point in the future talking about a lot of the main things in astrology and the signs and how they kind of correlate with mythology. So if you enjoyed this episode and you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give me a rating If you're not listening on iTunes, which I know most of you are listening on Spotify, which honestly, I don't blame you guys because I love Spotify and no, I'm not paid to say that or anything. I genuinely think Spotify is a great app to use. So yeah, if you're listening on Spotify, I just hope you all have a great week, even if you're not listening on Spotify. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you guys next week here on the Space Switch podcast. Thank you.